In this podcast episode, we want to introduce you to our BCEN friend, Laura Kemmerling. Michael Dexter and Mark Eggers talk with Laura about her role as the coordinator for Children's Mercy Critical Care Transport Program. What an amazing story. Listen as Laura tells us about the app that was developed for pediatric emergency care, how it came to be, and what the driving factors were behind it. This episode is called Pediatric Emergency Care. There's an app for that? Hello, and welcome to BCN and Friends podcast, where we hold interesting conversations about learning with a range of thought leaders, BCN certification holders, and industry professionals. But most importantly, to create a value and insight for you, our professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. We hope you find our discussions interesting, informative, sometimes funny, sometimes serious, but always valuable. I'm Mark Eggers, Manager of Education and Technology Services at BCN, and one of your hosts for today. I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Dexter, Director of Professional Development at BCN. Hi, Michael. Hey, Mark. Great to be with you again. Thanks. In this episode of BCN and Friends, we have Laura Kimmerling. Michael, could you please tell us about our BCN and friend, Laura? Yeah, I would be happy to tell you about Laura. Laura is a registered nurse. She works for Children's Mercy Critical Care Transport Team in Kansas City, Missouri. She graduated from Missouri Western State University in 2003 with a Bachelor of Science in Nursing and began her nursing career in the operating room at Children's Mercy Hospital, later transitioning to an adult ICU for several years. Laura returned to pediatric care in 2010 to work for the transport team. Upon completing a Master of Science in Nursing Education from Benedictine University in 2018, she began clinical instructing for BSN students. Her current full-time role focuses on transport and EMS relations, outreach education, and caring for critically ill neonatal, pediatric, and maternal fetal patients in the out-of-hospital setting. Laura maintains a national certification in neonatal and pediatric transport through the NCC, and is an active member of the Missouri and Kansas Emergency Medical Services for Children, as well as the Air and Surface Transport Nurses Association. She's an instructor for the Pediatric Advanced Transport course and the STABLE program, and has hosted multiple webinars, symposiums, and workshops focused on evidence-based pediatric emergency care in the transport environment. Laura, welcome to the BCN and Friends podcast. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you. I'm, I'm grateful you invited me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so speaking of inviting you, we, um, Mark had mentioned at the beginning of the, of the podcast that we like to have professionals, and um, I feel like just going off of what we've just read about you, what we've just talked about you, you definitely are an industry professional in the out-of-hospital transport arena, and uh, I'm really looking forward to talking to you about some of the um, changes and challenges that you've been able to work with over your career, but could you just tell us a little bit more about yourself and about your career? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a registered nurse, and most of my career has taken place in an intensive care setting. Whether caring for adults or children, I've always had a passion for understanding complex medical conditions and providing total patient care. Uh, for For the last 12 years, I've had the privilege of working for a freestanding neonatal, pediatric, and maternal fetal specialty hospital in the Midwest in Kansas City, Missouri, 
And I basically have been able to interact with multiple sweet little humans and their families um, every single day, which is, which is really great. Once I finished my master's degree in 2018, my focus shifted a bit from caring for sick babies to caring for pre-hospital and other frontline professionals who provide emergency care for kiddos during those most critical moments. So at this point in my career, I provide outreach education for EMS, nurses, and basically any provider who requests updates on evidence-based practice. Oh, that's great. So with the EMS integration, um, I, I think that's really good that you do that outreach with them. And my background began in EMS as well, and then transitioned to the hospital setting after I became a nurse. And there are just so many opportunities to educate in the community. And, and as you know, there are so many sick people going home to uh, the community. And, and then the first thing that happens when there's an emergency is they call EMS. So having that, that integration and coordination with them and the education you provide, I'm sure, is very valuable to your community. Uh, you're the coordinator at Children's Mercy Critical Care Transport. Can you tell us more about that program in particular and, and some of the types of patients that you transport? Yes, I would love to. It's one of my most favorite things to talk about. I'm super duper proud of our program. We are a dedicated team of specialists who provide interfacility critical care transport to babies, children, and pregnant moms. So definitely a special population that we deal with. Our medical teams consist of critical care trained registered nurses, respiratory therapists, EMTs, and paramedics. And all the teams provide a high level of care in ambulances, airplanes, helicopters. We are in our facility, so we're out of the hospital setting. We are available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we complete approximately 5,800 transports a year, so we stay really busy. Our operations also include a robust group of communication specialists, pilots, mechanics, physicians, and all of us work together to support the crews basically on every transport. So to frame how our team differs a little bit from EMS, we work hard to bring resources of Children's Mercy to the patient, stabilize the patient, and then transport them to a higher level of care. I always like to say, unlike EMS, we don't usually load and go. We bring the ventilator, the oscillator, the nitric oxide, the um, high flow nasal cannula, multiple drips. So we're able to bring the ICU to the patient and then stabilize as much as possible before we move to an out of hospital setting. Well, that's very interesting. I think uh, I would have a lot of questions on how you do some of those things because even just the high flow nasal cannula, I know there's just a lot of oxygen requirements. There's a lot of things that you have to consider for those out of hospital transfers and to be able to bring that equipment and that level of equipment to patients, I think is very invaluable. So great job with that. With the care that you provide to these patients, the first time that I started looking at, at recording a podcast with you is actually based around this app that you've developed on pediatric emergency care. Can you tell us a little bit about how that app came to be, some of the driving forces for developing an app, and why having an app is important to a healthcare provider? Right. Yes, absolutely. I wish I could take 
credit for developing the app. It was it was a, a major task. And so I, unfortunately, I can't take full credit for it. I was really just a part of, of really the um, the last features in testing the app and helping get it disseminated. So the app came to fruition after a multidisciplinary team at Children's Mercy um, joined forces to create an easily accessible, reliable, up-to-date resource intended to assist in decision-making for any healthcare provider as they care for a sick child. So the app is a resource for decision-making. It's, it's not physician orders by any means. And so we just have to be very careful with um, the legality behind the wording. So it's, it's meant to be a resource. Um, taking care of sick kiddos as any healthcare provider um, has experienced, they, it can be really, really scary. So feedback from my EMS and emergency department friends is that sick kids are even scarier when you don't encounter them all the time. Um, what we've been able to do in the pediatric world is come up with fantastic algorithms and clinical practice guidelines, but trying to navigate those in the face of a really sick kiddo makes anxiety just go up. So it, it makes it complex when you're trying to think clearly, move quickly, be efficient, make the right decisions. So the app provides decision-making support for providers during very stressful moments. It, in a sense, lowers the provider's cognitive load and brings intuitive use of clinical algorithms to their fingertips is kind of the best way to describe it. Okay. And so you, you mentioned air transport, ground transport, a very robust program that you have there. So the app could be placed within the hands of just those that work there at Children's Mercy, but what made the team decide that it should be released to any healthcare provider? That's a good question. So Children's Mercy Kansas City is within their mission and vision, it's even stated, committed to creating a world of well-being for all children. The Hospital Center for Pediatric Innovation works really hard to find new ways to get better outcomes in order to help every child reach their potential. Um, as a national leader, Peds Guide is an example of one innovation where the team saw the need to make sure that children are treated with the latest evidence-based pediatric protocols. So much like transport, we are invested in serving kids and families, as well as any provider caring for kids. So again, to, to give a visual, whether it's in the community of Kansas City, the larger region of Missouri or in Kansas, or nationwide, we really wanna disseminate pediatric expertise in the most user-friendly format possible. That's great. And you mentioned the app just, just a minute ago when you were discussing it. Can you tell us the name of the app again and I know it's available on the Google and the Apple stores, but maybe the name of the app, where people can find it, and also any feedback that you've received since um, since releasing the app. Right. Yes. Um, so the name of the app is Peds Guide app, and Peds Guide is one word. And then when users get into their app store or whatever device they're using, they'll see a red square with uh, it appears to be a figure of a child dancing with. Um, a parent. We call it the dancing child figure. So it's the Children's Mercy logo um, at, the, at the corner of a red square. So you'll be able to identify it by that. Um, and really the feedback about the app has been super positive overall. To be perfectly honest, folks like that it is free and can be used, like you said, on both iOS and Android mobile devices. So the app was designed to support 
providers in both acute care and ambulatory settings. So when you get into the app, you'll see that whether a person is treating an urgent diagnosis like diabetic ketoacidosis or asthma exacerbation, it's also user-friendly for somebody who's maybe considering antibiotic therapy for a febrile infant. So emergency department staff, from, from what I've been told, they really love the resuscitation module. Um, within that module, you can get vital sign ranges, equipment sizes, guidance on burn management, and, and all of those things are really pertinent, right, to the pediatric population because they grow and change so quickly. My favorite feature personally is the, the drug dosing library. So based on the child's weight, providers can access medication dosages, the recommended routes of administration, any side effects, any black box, warning, black box warnings um, for those medications. And so you really want to be accurate with the dosage that you're giving a kiddo in addition to how much volume you're drawing up, how quickly to give it, and, and know those side effects when you're administering it. Um, being an evidence-based tool, the information in the app is consistent with recommendations from the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Heart Association. Um, so you can even reference the evidence-based information within the app. Clinicians have said they feel more confident having a resource to back up their decisions, knowing that it's evidence-based. That's great. Thank you for sharing all that information that I, I've gone through the app myself and it is very easy to navigate and everything that you're mentioning is exactly correct. It, it's just a very uh, well-built app with a lot of great educational material in there. So thank you for sharing about that. I wanted to go back to you. We've been talking about the app and the program and everything, but you uh, have a lot to be proud of. You have your master's degree in nursing. You have um, several certifications. You teach PATC, you teach stable, and of course, the webinars that we mentioned and symposiums. So why is it so important to you to be a lifelong learner? What do you feel is the, is the importance in nursing, not, not only in the profession, but in, in the patient side of nursing, that each nurse is a lifelong learner? That is a very interesting question, Michael. Um, if this were honesty hour, I would tell you that I've not always felt like it's important to be a lifelong learner. Uh, an example of that would be my first day of nursing school. The professor had asked the class to raise our hand if we felt that planning on getting our bachelor's degree was simply a stepping stone to becoming a nurse practitioner or some kind of advanced provider. And it really felt like everybody in the class raised their hand but me. I had no interest in being in school any longer than I was required to be. And that was going to be the end of being scholarly. Um, then in my last semester of nursing school, a close family member had asked me if I was excited to graduate and what I would be doing. Um, and my answer was, I'm excited to be a nurse and I really want to start learning how to care for patients. <laughs> so it wasn't that my nursing program didn't prepare me. I just had come to understand that there's a lot of learning to do after graduation on the job with mentors, patient after patient. And then now I look back almost 20 years with having achieved some of those things that you mentioned. And I realized that there's just always an opportunity to know more. Um, I think being a lifelong learner keeps a person humble and open to new experiences. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's, uh, you know, I, I think about 20 years and how much has changed in 20 years and, and not even just the COVID-19 pandemic, but things like uh, smaller pediatric size LVADs, different ways that we administer oxygen to patients, different closures for congenital conditions. There's so much that's changed. 
in the last 20 years since you've been a nurse. And I think it's really important that we all do our part to keep up with those changes and, and to be able to provide care for patients that are impacted by the ever-changing healthcare landscape. You did an excellent job of conveying that. It's funny, as you were, as you were talking about that, I thought about my own uh, nursing career, and it's very, very similar to what you were saying. Um, and, and it's neat to see how our interests and our focus has changed over time. I'm going to turn it back over to Mark. Uh, Laura, thank you so much for that excellent feedback and the great conversation. And Mark, go ahead. Hey, thank you, Michael. Uh, Laura, uh, you've had a great career, as we've heard from here today. Can you tell me about a person or moment in your career that greatly impacted you? Sure. I would have to say that of all the mentors and all the preceptors and all the educators that I've had, my mom is probably hands down the most important person that has impacted me personally and professionally. Um, I grew up with her being a single mom and owning a business, and she is a very proactive thinker. She's very organized. She really explains the why behind the how, and seeing that, experiencing that, being exposed to that has kind of created in me a curiosity and a desire to know more. So when I moved into the ICU setting, it, it made sense. I wasn't okay just knowing that the EKG was askew. I wanted to know why, and why does that blood gas um, impact the blood pressure and, and all of those things. So she has helped kind of guide critical thinking for me, um, showed me how to be a proactive thinker and just always encouraged me to, to keep moving forward and try new things and, and to never settle. Oh, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Now I'm going to ask you a few rapid fire questions. So uh, what would you be doing if you weren't in your current role? If you weren't a nurse, what else did you think about doing? Well, if you asked me this today, my husband would clearly tell you that I would love to be a stay-at-home dog mom because <laughs> clearly the animal needs me all day, every day. <laughs> but um, honestly, I've asked myself that question before. I, I really have no idea. I'm, I'm a spiritual person, so I think that everything happens for a reason. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Years ago, I would have told you I'd be a fitness instructor on a cruise ship because it just seemed like a really good time. Um, but yeah, it's hard to see myself in any other role. Uh, stay at home dog mom sounds pretty good though. Nate, what kind of dog? Oh my gosh. She's adorable. She is a, a boxer lab mix. She was a rescue. Her name's Maggie and she is just beautiful. <laughs> Great. Excellent. Excellent. Now I have three categories regarding favorite items. Uh, if you feel free to skip one, if you want, but, uh, here we go. Your favorite, what's your favorite book? Um, it's entitled The Glass Castle. It is a really a compelling memoir about a woman who is raised in a pretty dysfunctional family and, and ends up being very elegant, um, sophisticated, accomplished. And um, it's just, it's very interesting to hear her story about her life. Neat. Very good. How about a favorite movie? Well, that would be Steel Magnolias. Um, I am a middle-aged female who can appreciate a good chick flick. And I just have fond memories of my sisters and I memorizing the lines. So it's always, it's a classic for me. Great. And your favorite song? I don't have one. I love all sorts of music, pretty much anything with a good beat and presented live or even acoustic. That's, that's my jam. So 
So no particular favorite song. Excellent. Good. Thank you. Appreciate you answering those. Now, how about a comfort food or meal that you enjoy? Yes, Mark. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> There's so much out there um, so that it's, I... It's like it, you're so seafood, any food you see, right? <laughs> uh, hands down, yes. <laughs> I mean, always pizza, right? It's good cold, it's good hot, it's good the yes. next day. Yes. Um, I'm a sucker for sweets, so a chocolate dipped ice cream cone from Dairy Queen would probably be the way to my heart. We shouldn't do these podcasts around noontime. It's sounding good. <laughs> <laughs> So how about any hobbies or interests? Well, personally, um, I, I'm kind of in the season of parenting a wide range of children. And so my husband and I find that our hobbies are whatever our children's ho hobbies are. So we, we do enjoy being on the sideline and cheering them on and, and watching them. So a lot of our time is consumed with that. Um, professionally, I have a, a really a large passion for peer support and emotional support for healthcare providers. I think that as healthcare providers, we're always in a position to fix um, and make better. There's an expectation that we will fix our patients. And, you know, there's just a reality that some things are out of our control. And in that stress, that emotional trauma can be cumulative. Um, a lot of us take it very, very personally when, when despite the best care, our patient has a bad outcome or a, a less than desirable outcome. So I would love as my career moves forward to be able to invest more time and interest into how to support care providers and their emotional well-being. Great. Excellent. Thank you. So if our audience would like to follow you online, uh, what social media platforms are you on? I know you have a website, and I'll put that in the minutes when we uh, finish this podcast so people can see it. But what uh, social media platforms are you on? I am um, in LinkedIn, so Laura Kimmerling on LinkedIn. And then um, really the best way to get a hold of me would probably be Facebook or Facebook Messenger. That's probably the one that I check the most. I'm not a Twitter person. Um, and then, of course, like you mentioned, if if you are a part of an organization that would like pediatric neonatal or maternal fetal education on our childrensmercy.org website, I would be more than happy to set up um, some information with you. Excellent. Thank you. So I want to take this time to thank you, Laura Kimmerling, for joining us for this episode of BCN and Friends. Thank you, Laura, for sharing your time, your stories, and just all around your information with us. We appreciate it. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. And to all of our listeners, we hope you will stay tuned as we continue on with BCN and Friends and bring in new and meaningful content and perspectives. If you have a suggestion for an episode, please email us at bcn at bcn.org. I'm Mark Eggers here with Michael Dexter. On behalf of the entire BCN team, we thank and celebrate you for all that you are doing as professional nurses across the emergency spectrum. Until next time, 